For all of history, creativity has been taken advantage of. Look at any musician's record deal, or any painter who has found someone to represent them and put their work in galleries, or the author whose book you see atop the New York Times bestseller list. It is, in a way, a perfect symbiotic relationship. Well, that is, until recently. I, I think that there's this intersection that especially has become more prevalent uh, in the last decade or two, where there's been like a rise of creatives as business people. There's this inter, there's, there's this really interesting mix of of like business and marketing and like creativity and coming up with new and ingenious ways to do things. That's Paul Jarvis, one-time touring musician, veterinary assistant and paperboy turned full-time entrepreneur. He's written four books, built several software companies, and has taught more than 10,000 students through his online courses. Oh, and he also hosts two podcasts of his own. This rise of creatives as business people that Paul speaks about is propelling us into a world of unlimited possibilities. The question is, how can you hone your inner creativity to stand out and thrive in social media marketing? I'm Brian Peters, and this is The Science of Social Media, a podcast by Buffer, your weekly sandbox for social media stories, insights, experimentation, and inspiration. We all have histories that shape who we are, what we think, and what we do. And sometimes we're driven with a purpose towards a specific goal. Other times we have no plan or goal. Either way, things seem to work themselves out, like how Paul got into this whole creative entrepreneur thing by complete accident. I think that working at an agency was probably the most interesting because I was kind of doing what I wanted to do. Like I was a creative director and was designing campaigns and, and things like that. It was, it was great work. I actually ended up quitting that job. And then the day after I quit, I was going to go to the library to look up how to write a resume but instead of going to the library I started to get calls from those clients saying like hey Paul where where are you gonna go work next because we'll just bring our business there because we feel the same we feel like we like working with you a light bulb went off on my, in my head and I thought what if I just work with these people who want to give me money directly and then I get to do it exactly the way I want to do it so I actually started working for myself completely by accident. Like I, I had full intention of going to the library to learn how to write a resume. And when asking Paul, that can feel, well... Completely scary. <laughs> and I mean, like those fears kind of diminish slightly over time. But I still think that there is definitely like a mental toll. On one hand, you have the freedom to pursue your own creative path, to lead, to innovate, push boundaries, and play outside of the rules. On the other, you have the uncertainty that comes along with being a trailblazer. So what made Paul so successful? Maybe it was what he likes to call the clutch factor. If I could maintain a reputation of being like that clutch guy, that person who's like, if you bring me on a project, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to do it when I say I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it on time and on budget every time, no exceptions. If I do that, and if I always focus on that, then every single person I worked with would become basically like an unpaid salesperson. Or maybe it was a strategic focus on niche audiences because, well... How do you stand out on the internet? 
right? Like it, it's too big of a thing to be able to make much of a mark on. But if you focus on like this little subsection of people on the internet, and since the internet is so big, like a little subsection could be thousands or hundreds of thousands of people, then it's easier to stand out because there's not as many people competing for the top there. So I don't know how to be like the best web designer or the best writer for everybody. I know how to be a pretty good writer and a pretty good web designer for the people that I'm trying to reach, for the specific audience that I want to have, or for the specific types of clients that I wanted to work with when that's what I did for a living. All right, so a few key takeaways so far. One, you may think you know exactly what you want to do and how you're going to do it, but life happens and can change your course for the better. Two, being a clutch player, no matter what industry you're in, will help you stand out, and that goes for brands as well. And three, you'll have much greater success by focusing on niche audiences rather than trying to be everything for everyone. In other words, follow market demand. So I don't make things because I like making things. Like I don't start software companies or make courses or write books just because I feel like it. I would rather just sit and watch Netflix. <laughs> like that's just, that's just, I feel like that's my default setting. But then when I start to notice that more and more people want something from me or want an answer from me or are offering to pay me, like I did so much consulting for freelancers before I started teaching like a, a freelancing course. And I just basically let demand, like, I don't care about, like, my passions or motivations or anything like that. I really just let market demand dictate what I do next. But wait, isn't that sort of dismal? If we all chase market demand, then are we really in charge of our careers and the use of our creativity? Of course we are. Because passion follows mastery. There gets to a point sometimes where it's just like, this isn't me, like this isn't who I am and this isn't kind of what I want to do. But I really think, and I'm pretty sure it was Cal Newport, not me, who kind of came to this conclusion is that passion follows mastery, not the other way around. So in, in looking at people who are happy with their jobs, they tend to have mastered their jobs and then they get happy with it because in mastering the job, they can build more autonomy for themselves, more control of their work life and their daily life. And then they start to love it because What's not to love about that? Whereas people being guided by passion, it's it's almost like, and it doesn't it doesn't stem from this, but it does seem very egotistical to think that you're so important that your passion matters more than like somebody else or more than your audience is. Which makes sense, right? At the end of the day, whether you work in social media, marketing, PR, comms, or anything else, you're mainly there to provide value for your audience. That often gets lost in the content we write, the products we build, what we post on social, and how we interact with our audience. That mental shift from self to selfless can make a world of difference in your success. Let's, for a second, attempt to get into the mind of a creative entrepreneur. I asked Paul, what motivates you? What keeps you going and gives you the clarity to create things that stand out? in marketing and on social media. I find anger just really motivating and not like getting mad and breaking things angry. Like that's, I don't know, that, that, I don't think that accomplishes anything. But I think anger in terms of wanting to make a change, like being so mad that something exists in a certain way that you want to do something about it. And I mean, this happens in like social structures when something in the world is happening, like 
when there's oppression or or racism or that, that sort of thing that people get so mad that they want to change things and like people like dr king come about and do a lot of cool things but the same happens in business where i see businesses that are doing things that i don't think are are good or beneficial and then i want to do something better and i'm motivated by the fact that i want something i like i want people to be better and a lot of the times when i call out ideas or ways that people act online it's not because i think they're stupid it's because i know they're not stupid but people do dumb things like i do dumb things all the time like a lot of what i write about that i'm mad about is things that i do that's dumb and i think that anger is kind of a tool like we can we can get mad about something anger can be a tool for us then to to make some sort of change to run our business in a way that is different from the way business should be run how about you what motivates you? What motivates you to run your business better, to do social media better, to be a better marketer? And is there something beyond internal motivations? And I just kind of try things. Like I think that's really like most entrepreneur superpowers is their ability to not be afraid to look stupid. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's kind of it's kind of funny because it's like it doesn't seem like much of a superpower, but like most entrepreneurs are less worried than other people or more normal people because most entrepreneurs are weirdos which is awesome <laughs> but they're not afraid to they're not afraid to like fall in the face and look stupid okay quick recap value first always and a constant drive to question the world around you in an effort to change the way things are currently done will help you to deliver something that audiences can't find elsewhere but how do we relate that to marketing and social media? For, for me, a lot of content marketing is, is trust because sales can't happen without trust. Audience growth can't happen without trust. And you can't really fake it or generate it instantly. It's something that grows over time. So with all of the content marketing efforts that I have, because I like write articles, I syndicate my articles, I have a couple podcasts, I do interviews like this, like, I, I do a lot of content. But I found that people like people were interested in in buying my books or my software or my courses because of who I was and because of what I stood for and because of my take on business or marketing or freelancing or even things like running a mailing list. And so I found that with content marketing, I try to like give an honest picture of who I am. Okay, I know what you might be thinking here. Brian, it's easy for people to relate to other humans. But what about businesses? Is that even possible? And even even companies like Apple, who have been pro-gay rights and pro-trans rights for the longest time, have challenged legislature as companies. Like that kind of stuff stands out. Like you can't buy that. I know, and I know they don't do it, or they don't entirely do it for the publicity. But like you can't buy good publicity like that. Or if you did, it would be ridiculously expensive. If you kind of draw a line in the sand and be like. I'm a cut. I'm like our company is the type of company that respects transgender people. Like then you're drawing a line in the sand, and the people that are against that and are against the values that you hold dear as a company, probably not the people that you want as employees or as customers or that sort of thing. So I think even as big companies, like it's important to have at least some social awareness. So let's say you're convinced that standing for something does make a difference on social media and in marketing, and you want to figure out how you can do that for your own brand. Well, it may be easier than you think to be authentic. 
So I, I think it's kind of like the difference between the Nugs guy. I can't remember what his name is. The guy who tweeted Wendy's. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, the 8 million Nugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he, wanted, he wanted Nuggets for a year. And he said, how can I get Nuggets for a year? And Wendy's was like, this tweet needs to be retweeted 18 million times. And he yeah. got, <laughs> I, he only got like 3.5 million, but it was still the top retweeted tweet of all time. It beat Ellen Selfie. Versus and, and like that, that publicity for for Wendy's was just like it was some person that runs their social media that just had fun. Right. Like they were just like yeah, 18 million. Like you need <laughs> yeah. to get this tweet retweeted 18 million times and then we'll give you free nugs. I think a lot of times it can just be natural. Like I find that companies that and it's interesting, too, because like I do support for all of the businesses that I run. And like, I try to have fun with it. Like I try to be a, a happy and enjoyable person doing support because if somebody's contacting you for support, it's because they're having a problem and they're probably like their day is not made at that point when they're contacting you. So it's up to you to make their day. And I think a lot of times, a lot of these wins and a lot of these things that um, can really make companies shine starts on like the line of support, like the, the happiness experts or whatever whatever you call them. I think Buffer, you guys call Happiness them. heroes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Happiness heroes. Exactly, because it's their job to make somebody who's unhappy happy. And that's really important. And so the thing, like the Nugs thing, like that just blew up because somebody that, that was doing support for their Twitter was like, we can have fun with this. Like, this is hilarious. Did you catch that last part? Paul said it perfectly. Have fun with it. At the end of the day, that's what social media is meant for. Honing your inner creativity isn't about trying to go viral or even generating endless qualified leads. It's discovering and using your personality to connect with real people. That's what gets people to engage with you and talk about your company online. In other words, like I always kind of, for my business specifically, I kind of see social media as like the hook. Mm -hmm. Like people aren't going to see my, see my Twitter account and then buy something from me. Like that's not, that's just not how it works. I don't think that's how it works for anybody. Social is really good for giving people like micro tastes of your brand, like of who you are as a company, like what even what you stand for, like retweeting something about an issue that you care about is going to show people like, OK, this company stands for this thing. Like, I completely agree with that. I want to support this company or I don't agree with that. I don't want to support this company and I take my business elsewhere. And it's probably good because they're probably like not the best customers for you. As the world becomes more connected, it's more important than ever for brands to, for lack of a better phrase, become humans. A lot of things are dehumanizing in, in terms of like there's chat bots and AI and like corporate jargon newsletters or press releases or even like about pages of most major corporations. Like, I don't even know, like who writes these things? Like they don't make any <laughs> sense because it's just a bunch of like synergy Right. So I think people crave humanity in everything that they do, which is silly because like we're all surrounded by humans. Like I kind of I live in the woods on an island, so I'm not as surrounded mm -hmm. by humans. But people crave a connection with other people. Right. So I think when brands and when companies of any size start to think like, how can we how can we connect with our audience as as human beings instead of just numbers? Then things go well. Then things like the nugs thing can happen. Right. Ah, uh, yes, our trusted Nugs guy. 
What would have happened if Wendy's was using social media to drive sales? What if, instead of tweeting 18 million, Wendy's tweeted something like, hey Nugs guy, can't give away free Nugs today, but head to your local Wendy's and you can purchase some there. If Wendy's were trying to drive sales, we wouldn't be talking about this right now. I, I wonder if that, if that support person like had to ask their boss, right? like, what's the number we can give this guy? And <laughs> yeah. they were like, oh, we got to talk to our boss. Like, yeah. it, maybe it went up the chain. Maybe it was just like a, a support person having fun. Because like, really, how much do nuggets for a year cost? Right. Like, not that much. I it's think people like, started doing the economics of nuggets at that point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Behind every company, behind every social media profile, there's a human, just like you and me. We're all driven by the same basic human needs, one of the most important being the need for human connection. And in that sense, social media is the most powerful tool at our disposal. Creativity comes in all forms, shapes, sizes, tweets, campaigns, and profiles. And in the social media world, one of the most creative things you can do is just be you. A brand or company's personality is made up of the people who work there. Humans. And human connection is what we all seek. I'm Brian Peters, and this is The Science of Social Media, a podcast by Buffer your weekly sandbox for social media stories, insights, experimentation, and inspiration. <laughs>